Reaching Tax Flow podcast, where the goal is to empower and educate you to legally and ethically minimize taxes paid over your lifetime. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast, episode 32. Today we're going to dive into some of the legalese, we can say, regarding short-term rentals. So those SDRs, that acronym that we all love so much. Um, be ready for this show here. We, we dive into some of the nitty-gritty, we should say, but it may be a huge eye-opener for anybody that's ever managed a short-term rental property, such as those on Verbo, Airbnb, any of the other platforms um, but there's some great information. So be ready to jot down some of these notes. Uh, fantastic guests as always, as I always like to say. But again, we're going to dive into some issues with this or potential issues or challenges, I should say, that you may never have considered before. But before we jump into that, as always, again, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Strategic Associates. Are you a high-income earner, real estate investor, or successful entrepreneur who is frustrated by having to pay $75,000 or more of annual tax liability? If so, Strategic Associates can help. Your first step to saving thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, is to contact Roger Roundy at roger at strategicag.net or by calling 801-641-2956 and be sure to tell them TTF sent you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Teaching Tax Flow, the podcast. I'm John Trapolsky. Here, as always, can't get rid of me that easy. And we still got this other guy here uh, across the screen from me. We're doing this virtually. But but who are you? We call you the big ball guy, but I, I guess you're kind of smart. You know what you're doing. What's your name? Well, I've been called a lot worse. You know that. And yeah, it's tough doing this virtually, John. I'm used to being uh, your right-hand man. But Chris Picuro here with Teaching Tax Flow. And we are both very, very excited to talk to our guest this week. Um, it's someone I had to, I had to pull some strings together. I had to do some begging, uh, but, but it, it ended up working out. Hey, and you know what, Chris, before we introduce him to, I, I know I like to harass you a little bit, but I promise not to talk about a couple topics. You know, you know what? I'm never going to say I'm, I'm going to behave myself this time. I know what, I know which ones are your hot buttons. I'll leave those in the box for later. Anyways, cutting to the chase. Great topic as always. I know I say that every single time, but I really do mean it. Once again, like every single time, if you want a short-term rental or you're even thinking about it, excuse me, see, I'm getting choked up thinking about this. You've got to talk to these guys or this guy specifically. Um, we'll just call him Jeff Hampton. It's pretty, pretty good name for this guy. I'm actually the owner and the managing partner of STR Law Guys. So if that doesn't say what they do, um, you got bigger problems. They do stuff with STR. Jeff, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for uh, for uh, allowing me to join all today. I'm excited about it. Hey, you know what? I maybe you're a victim of this of just me and Chris going back harassing each other, but we'll uh, we'll err on the side of that you actually want to be here. Um, thank you for taking the time to join us. And obviously, STR so short term rentals for those that aren't familiar with what STR means. Walk us through a little bit about you know what you guys do, how you got into this a little bit, maybe a little bit of your personal background, but really just you know giving us a couple nuggets that if somebody's looking to get into this or you know how they can contact you. Um, let's start from the beginning. Absolutely. So <clears throat> first thing is, you know, listen, short-term rentals are an amazing asset class to be involved in. I mean, I can tell you, you know, having been invested some in long-term rentals and just having some familiarity with real estate, once you get into short-term rentals and you understand that cash on cash return, the cash flow, and all that's available to you, and not to mention the stuff you guys are experts in, which is all the tax benefits that are associated with it. 
Um, it's a pretty exciting asset class. What, but for me, I've had the opportunity to work um, within this space, certainly over the last year with great people in the, in the space like Bill Faith and Mike Schoepern and some of these other influencers that really helped open my eyes as well to even more opportunities within the short-term rental space. And so I can tell you my background's a little unique when it comes to this. I, I have scaled a couple of other law firms in the past, and one of those was a personal injury law firm. And we spent our time bringing lawsuits against short-term rental owners, long-term rental owners, commercial property owners. So one of the things that we did is we would bring this liability lawsuits against people. So I've been in the courtroom and I used to be a, uh, I used to actually be a former prosecutor. I trained everything from mis misdemeanor cases to capital murders. And so one of the things I spent a lot of time doing was litigation. So I had a kind of, you know, a little bit of a unique perspective of, of understanding what works in a courtroom when you're potentially looking at a lawsuit. So for me, it was a natural extension for me at STR Law Guys. I founded STR Law Guys once I started in my journey in that investing. I partnered with my current partner, Stephen Tobin, and him and I formed STR Law Guys. And generally speaking, here's what we provide. We provide asset protection for all types of short-term rental, everything from co-hosting to arbitrage models, uh, as well as ownership, partnership arrangements. Uh, and now people are going to a lot of, into a lot of unique areas like boutique hotels, whether they're, they're taking the hotels and converting them now into short-term rental arrangements, uh, which is really, I kind of joke about that. I see that as more as commercial real estate, but you know, all the STR people don't tell them that. Right. So, but the reality of it is that's kind of the direction we're headed, but we also do more than that. We also help people make sure there are a lot of retail investors out there in the short-term rental space that don't know, do they really have the right kind of insurance? They haven't even thought about making sure they have the right type of agreement. Are they protected? And we're a huge believer in what we call layered asset protection strategies, which means one thing by itself is not enough. You have to make sure you layer up your protection. And we have kind of created that mindset of let's check the box on each layer. And the, the more you, here's the general rule, the more of your net worth you're placing into short terminals, the more you need to layer up so that you're less of a target. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. So, so really just kind of bringing it up to, and, and maybe this will dive into a little bit more about some of the services y'all offer. Um, and then of course we'll reel in some of the tax knowledge. Of course, we'll drop those nuggets in there, but you did mention, you know, obviously we're talking about STRs, you know, the short-term rentals, and you, you mentioned insurance is one of those. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was an Airbnb, Airbnb host for a while. It actually helped me bootstrap one of my companies. Well, I'm feeling old 12 years ago, um, now 15 years ago. Um, and, and it seems like you're big guys, you know, your Airbnb, I don't know if VRB or Verbo does it specifically, but now, you know, I'm a marketing guy. So naturally I, I take in their content a little bit differently, maybe, sure. but they really have on the forefront, the, the insurance that they offer. Um, and I, and I know there's a lot of horror stories around that as well, too. So I'm sure you have a unique perspective on that. Yeah. So Look, this is a really good question. I have a lot of owners that'll come to me and say, do I really need much of my own personal insurance coverage for my properties? Because, you know, I've got air cover with Airbnb, right? Air cover is going to cover me. VRBO has got this policy where you can extend based upon a certain amount per stay where they have to pay for a, a certain amount of the deductible. And, and look, you should do those things. There are, those are good things. And I, I, I applaud Airbnb for providing some coverage. But you're really on someone else's platform, and the reality of it is, you know, it's your property. You own it. You're trusting a third party to help provide you protection in the event of a lawsuit. 
And the reality of it is they're great for repair type things, things that are broken. They're usually very good about replacing those. But if someone gets hurt seriously, then one of the things that happens is people start pointing fingers at each other. And I tell people it's super important that you check your insurance policy because you cannot just trust on air cover or VRBO's insurance policies to protect you in the event of life. It's almost like making the assumption if you're an Uber driver, and Chris, I know we mentioned Uber drivers all the time. Oh, we love them so much. They keep us out of trouble. Um, I know that's a big thing in, in that space, right? I mean, not yes. to divert, but people say, oh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive for Uber. And then all of a sudden, you know, they basically have no mention of it um, being used as such an auto one policy. They get an accident. Somebody unfortunately passes away and absolutely in trouble. John, it's good. It's good that you had not met Jeff based on his criminal uh, defense background, first of all. Well, maybe, maybe we did. Maybe we, maybe we crossed paths or got to keep talking to you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy now. Easy now. My wife might listen to this. That was, that was pretty <laughs> One thing I love about Jeff and the STR law guys is that we, someone, someone smart told me this once. I wish I knew Robert who it was. It must've been too long time ago, but they said, always, always find people that make complicated things easy. And then people that seem to make easy things complicated, stay away from those people. Don't do work with those people. So and one thing I do like is that the SCR law, law guys are making things simple and, and layering that insurance or risk management is important because I think that obviously teaching tax flow, we, we do have a lot of real estate investors in, in the community. A lot of them have taken advantage of what we call the short-term rental loophole. Uh, in part of taking advantage of the short-term rental loophole is being having a concept and we don't want to go too technical, but concept of material participation so that you can, you can take paper losses from a, from a rental property and, and you're typically you're self-managing it. So when you're self-managing a property, obviously your asset protection layering might be different. But one thing that I think that we, and we have a lot of clients to do this, that, that we have to consider is that you, you could have, um, you could have exposure, legal exposure without even owning a property. And you could be a co-host. So that's something that I, um, Jeff, maybe you can mention things to consider for a co-host, uh, maybe what a co-host is and, and different than someone that self-manages and then maybe different from someone that's more hands-off from a third party. What's similar about their, their protection layering and what might be unique just from a 30,000 foot view. Yeah. A really good point. And co-hosting is really popular now because, you know, Things have slowed down a little bit within the acquisition stage of short-term rentals because of the increase in interest rates and different things like that. And, and so a lot of people are using co-hosting as a way to create this jet fuel for more investment. They can create money by essentially the way it works is, let's say you go to an owner, you've got an owner right now who's maybe not very sophisticated. They're not exactly sure. They're trying to figure out how to do this stuff on morale, or maybe they're using nothing against some of the larger property management companies that are out there, but a lot of these property management companies are not doing a great job. They're, they're usually traditionally lower on their review or their five-star review counts. They're not always giving that real touch, that personal touch, hospitality. So very experienced owners or co-hosts who know what they're doing can come in and assist. They can co-host with the ownership and they come in there, they basically jump in there and help out with the messaging. They help optimize their listings. They can help them out with the marketing piece. They can really educate, but at the same time, this really works well with doctors and lawyers and, and people that are in positions that don't have time to be able to manage the, all of these assets. They'll turn it over to someone who they know can create a, an extra margin of income that helps offset that co-hosting 
uh, management fee that's coming off the top of that. But in the process of doing so, I do warn people, there are some things you have to be careful of. So one, really, I, I can say two ways that you end up potentially getting sued. One is let's say something bad happens at the property, right? Similar to property management, but let's say something bad happens at the property and someone's hurt. And well, look, having been a former personal injury attorney, I can tell you personal injury lawyers got to sue everybody, right? They're going to sue anybody that has their hands associated with it. They're going to sue the eldership because they had a duty to maintain the property or whatever the cause of the, of the damage was. But then what does a co-host do? A co-host actually plays uh, a property management type role in terms of making sure everything is set up the way it should be. In theory, if they're the ones checking everything daily, there's a, a possibility of accountability as to whether or not the, the premises was maintained properly. So I remind people a couple of things you need to do. Number one, you need a co-host agreement. And it's, it seems like it makes sense and it's common sense, but a lot of people are out there just doing this, throwing together something off the internet they haven't looked at. A couple of things you need is some state-specific provisions. You need to make sure if you're going to use a co-host agreement, you need to use where you're set up. You need to make sure that that state's laws and those provisions under contract law apply under your contract. And here's the other thing. The biggest mistake I see people do, because I don't blame it, I love marketing, but they'll mix their marketing language with their legal language. And what ends up happening is you take this stuff because you're trying to close the owner, right? You're like, okay, I want to do this. I'm going to really help you out and make you make more money. And so you got all the stuff you're promising from a marketing perspective, diluting your contract language. That's one of the worst things you could do because you get into court. It looks like this promises you're making tied in with contract language, separate those two. You need to keep the marketing piece as a different addendum to the actual contract provisions that you have. And you know, really, of course, I know I sound like a lawyer when I say this, but you should have a lawyer draft a lot of this specifically for a negotiation standpoint that puts you in the best position possible in the event the owner tried to turn around and sue you, right? So, you know, that because that's what will happen the second way. You can get sued by the guest. You could also get brought in by the owner. The owner, if the owner gets sued, they're going to turn around and bring a lawsuit against you saying, no, 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 I trusted you on all this. You were the one who was supposed to take care of these issues. And that's where that co-host agreement is very important. Um, I'll tell you the next piece is you need to set up at least a separate LLC. You want to separate your business activities of that business from your personal activities and your ownership. Let's say you own other assets down here. You need to have a separate segregated, what I call a single purpose entity LLC that serves that business's needs and do not mix funds that you're doing from somewhere else within that LLC. That is a great, I'm actually glad that you brought that up because that's one of the hot buttons there that I like to poke with Chris a little bit. You know, when people talk about the excitement of forming an LLC, it's from a tax perspective, doesn't always make sense, but from basically an asset protection that that's what they're intended for. Yeah. We talk about the single member LLC quite often and that the, the value of it is from an asset protection standpoint. I have a question on that. Mm -hmm. But one thing I, you know, I want to point out to the listeners, we talk about in teaching tax flow, working with people that eat their own cooking. And what I mean by that is, is Jeff is a short-term rental and a real estate investor. Uh, and, and they take a practical approach to this. Um, and, and, you know, and I agree that, that having the proper legal representation is very important. Um, obviously, uh, as far as the LLC, one of the, some of the things that we, that we run into is um, just, and again, from the tax perspective, it's not as big of a deal, but working with people that um, 
that might have a mortgage on the property. Um, that I'm sure you've answered this a million times, and I may or may not have heard your answer on some other uh, media outlets. But can you give our listeners that might be tuning in for the first time to the STR Law Guys that that play? So let's say someone comes to us; they're concerned about asset protection. They bought the property in their own personal name a couple of years ago. Interest rates are higher, so they're concerned about potentially refinancing it. Um, can you give us a, what, what would be a good practical first or second step for someone like that? Okay, so get ready for this answer. All right, so first thing, first things first is one of the biggest things. Most people, it's amazing to me. I think it's like sixty-seven percent of short-term rental owners have their properties in their personal name, and as a result of that, you're talking about an overwhelming number of people who do. So. That there's two big issues that you have to watch out for. Um, one is, I don't think, as big of an issue unless you're dealing with a certain type of mortgage company, and I won't name their name, but some of them are really notorious for this. One is the due on sale clause related in your mortgage, which basically says, I have a contract with the mortgage company because it's in my name, not the LLC. It's a different business, right? So legally, they could call the note due it based on that due on sale clause if you just quit claim deed that property into an LLC. There's ways around this, but and it doesn't usually get called. It costs the mortgage company more money than it's worth to call the note. But the next one is a pretty big one. The next one is what we call real estate transfer taxes. You have to be really careful because there are some states that don't have it at all, like Texas. You don't have transfer taxes in Texas, no big deal. There are other states, especially the Southeast. You know, I think about Tennessee. Tennessee has what's called the fonts tax, um, which is a a real kick. I mean, it's it, and you have to actually apply for an exemption or exception every year. You have the you have the dog stamps fee in Florida and all of these t- states, particularly in the Southeast. If you try to move an asset from your personal name into an LLC, they take a buy out of you with a transfer tax. And I've seen it as low as like 0.2 percent, but as high as two percent. Imagine if you have a three million dollar short term rental on the beach and you just quit claim it over and you get a two percent kick in the face when you didn't expect this coming. Well, there are ways around this. And this is why it's so very important. Short-term calls are exciting. You get into it, but it's important to get good counsel before you pull the trigger on a lot of these things, because you end up having these repercussions. I've seen people, I saw somebody make these decisions on their own and they had so much in taxes that they ended up having to cover on this, that they ended up really, that affected their next investment. They really weren't able to make another investment because of those expenses. There is a workaround. There is something known as a land trust. And one of the things that can happen is I'll have people that'll come to me. I had a lady come to me just this week. In fact, she has 10 properties um, that she has some in Florida. She's got some in Georgia, um, one in Alabama. She, you name these different places that she's at from Gulf Shores to PCB, you know, 38. You can just all these wonderful places people want to go visit. The problem is she, realized she starts calculating her real estate transfer tax we now decided to use what is known as a land trust, which is nothing more than a simple grantor trust that you move land into, right? Well, when you move it in there, effectively what happens is you're kind of taking your fingerprint off of that transaction. There's two huge benefits to this. If you use a land trust the right way, it also helps you with refinancing, okay? Because let me tell you the first piece. Number one is it helps you with avoiding real estate transfer taxes because once you move that property into the land trust, you can then assign your beneficial interest in the property into an LLC. Now, by doing that, you actually avoid, you're never in public record. 
And the way it works is, is that the attorney, what we do, is we list ourselves as the trustee as soon as we file it. But then as soon as we file it, we take our name off. We resign. The client takes over as the trustee, but on public record, it's not visible at all. Okay. So you don't even see it. Mm-hmm. You avoid the transfer taxes. And here's the beautiful thing. If you move the property from the land trust into the LLC, what if you want to refinance? Like some people right now are buying at 7%, you know, 7, 7.5%. It's not always going to be that way. We hope those loans are, those rates are going to go back down. At some point, they're going to want to refinance. But when you pull the property out of an LLC, you lose your asset protection and it can also create a taxable event if you have to pull it out to refi. Why? Because you just identified this, Chris. Most times, most of the times people are doing it in their personal name. Mm-hmm. So when you think about a, a, a loan in your personal name that you put into an LLC, what do you think that lender is going to study when you say, hey, can I refinance this when it's now owned by my LLC and I didn't tell you about it and I moved it over to quick claim? They're going to tell you, no way, man, you got to pull it out of the LLC to refi. But if you use the land trust technique, here's the beautiful thing. You can pull it out and do what's called restating the trust from a land trust to a living trust, a basic revocable trust. Right. Buy the property, refi the property, and move it back into the LLC, restate it as a land trust. You can do the full refi with no penalty. You keep your asset protection and you can move it back into the LLC. And that's what people have to understand that this we you know i'll give you an example that people are familiar with 1031 exchanges there's lots of rules and it it can be overwhelming but it's not overwhelming we did we did one personally last summer if you have the right people in place with the right qualified intermediary and the right we talk about john all the time having building your board of directors and having the right legal team in place and this is a specialized piece of uh part of the law that you have to be aware of and and that's why we're happy you're on also because you, you guys work all over the United States. Uh, sure. So a lot of our, a lot of people in, in our community, I'd say the majority of short-term rental investors invest in a state they do not reside in. Yeah, very much so. Because why? Think about it. Most of these folks will go visit a place they love for vacation and they'll say, well, I'd love to own a place over here, you know, and then they realize the opportunities with short-term rental. So what they end up doing is buying a place there and then they visit on occasion, right? They don't want to, they want to breach that, what is it, 14 days? Yeah, we never want to go more than 14 days, of course, but right. <laughs> but they'll go and stay on occasion with their family, but then in the meantime, they can make all this additional money. And that's why you see a lot of these vacationaries exploding with short-term rentals that are on some people in Absolutely. And it's a, again, it's a, it's a, it's a great asset class. It's, um, you know, it's, it's growing in, it, it, I feel like it just with with the pandemic, it was almost like it caught wildfire. Yeah, it did. Um, and really, from a family perspective, uh, I know the short term rentals that we own, we're getting a lot. Especially as someone with a family, as the kids get bigger, it gets real tight in the hotel room, and and I just feel like with the hotel rooms now, a lot of the services they used to provide, they're just they're they're just not there anymore. But that's that's another story. Uh-huh. Yeah, plus, if you checked hotel rates lately, I can tell you right now, hotel rates keep going up and relative to what you can get. But I will tell you, competition has tightened. And I tell people, you know, as supply of short-term rentals has gone up exponentially, demand has come down a little bit because of the economy. So the people who are still optimizing and learning and continuing to provide and listen to the market, they're still doing well. 
Exactly. And that's, that's where we, we think we, you know, I know for us, I had a similar story with one of our properties that we, we sold because and we didn't intend on it. Um, but the thing is a lot of people that may have jumped in in 2020, 2021 have to realize that it still could be a profitable endeavor, but it might not be as profitable as that first one. Though, uh, again, there's some synergy. You guys got to understand too, if you're self-managing, there's some synergy between going scaling from two properties to three properties and going up. So um, I've seen you got to protect your behind for lack yes. of better terms. <laughs> and Jeff, you, you mentioned something too, that was, was interesting. I mean, it's, I wouldn't call it common sense, but I think it's more, well, we'll say less common sense than it should be. But just the fact of you saying, if, if you own properties across various states, that legal language or legalese, as some people say, will likely vary between those. And that's, you know, and then you also mentioned too, taking out the marketing language, being a marketing guy, I, I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, oh crap, I've probably done that more times than I'd like to admit. But on paper, um, in a courtroom, you basically set yourself in a corner, I imagine. Well, I think about this too. You're exactly right. Think about it from a short-term rental agreement standpoint. There are a lot of people, I get people asking me this all the time. I don't really need a rental agreement if I'm doing all my rentals on Airbnb and VRBO, right? And I said, well, be careful. Once again, you're trusting a platform. And I'm going to give you a, a quick tip for those that are out there in the actual short-term rental space that are renting right now. One way around Airbnb and VRBO policies of not being able to gather email addresses for people, they do have an exception that if you do provide a rental contract, you are permitted to request their email address. And here's what's great, a marketing guy. You can then take that email. We keep track of the great guests. We do email remarketing to those guests to a direct booking website so that we can book them directly through a direct booking platform at a discount. I give somebody a discount that I know is going to treat my property right and all day long. But now I do. Not, I love the pro platforms, but I do not trust them. If you need to evict someone, what do you think that police officer is going to look for? What's your lease agreement? Right? They don't care about what's on Airbnb. They don't care what's on those platforms. So it's really important. You talked about uh, state-specific provisions. You need liability waivers. But in some states, liability, wa liability waivers are not enforceable. But some are. So it's really important that those type of provisions are researched and included. So that way, if you're renting in a particular state, you know that you can enforce those. Excellent. Well, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. I feel like we can talk on this for probably a full day. Because now I'm thinking, man, I've been doing a lot of things wrong back in the day. But it's, it's all hey, good. John, at least you sold yours, so don't, that's water under the bridge. Yeah, I sold it a good time and a good place, and it all it all worked out really well. <laughs> um, Jeff, before we before we get into the the weeds on something else, and then next thing you know, we're it's September and we're still talking. What's what's the best way if somebody has these questions? You know, could they reach out to you guys directly? Um, do you prefer go through your website, LinkedIn? How, what's the best way people can get a hold of you? Yeah, I appreciate that. So. The website is strlawguys.com. Anyone can always email me personally at jeff at strlawguys.com. And here's the thing. We started a YouTube channel where I go over a lot of this in depth. If you do a search for STR Law Guys on YouTube, um, we, we've dedicated a lot of time of trying to make sure to put out the educational piece on this from everything from umbrella insurance to underlying insurance coverage to all of these points for asset protection in short term. Excellent. Well, I need to I need to uh, wrap up with my with my sh uh, special guest rapid fire questions. So these are just random questions that we're going to ask you. And uh, but before I do that, again, STR Law Guys, and 
go in. If you're listening, remember the Defeating Taxes private Facebook group. That's defeatingtaxes.com. Please jump in there. Post your questions. We will make sure they get to Jeff and his team uh, or direct or ask him directly or subscribe to his YouTube channel because we, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure a lot of the questions that you answer are very common in probably 80% of the, um, 80% of the questioning and the end of the answers are common for people, but then you have to apply that to your personal situation where you reside, what states you have, what state you own in. Do you have a, a mortgage? Do you already own the property in an entity? And the, if, is, would it be better for someone? Before, let's say they get a property under contract. Is that probably the best time to reach out to you? Yeah. So here's what I tell people is, first of all, if you have a plan in action and you know where you're headed, um, it's good to research this stuff. And that's when you start looking at the YouTube channel and reading up on this stuff. But when you're putting in an offer, if you find a place, put in an, put in an offer in your name and the signs and get to work talking to a lawyer so that if you're able to assign that contract into an LLC, are you doing a commercial law? Are you doing a residential law? What are you doing? Understand what the consequences are of each one of these based upon not just the tax implications later on, but also the asset protection piece and avoiding these type of consequences like real estate transfer taxes. Absolutely. That would be wise. That said, if you already own a property and you're, you're concerned about asset protection, do not be afraid to reach out. The questions. Here we go. Uh, all right. First question. What is your favorite color? Blue. Okay. I'm a Michigan State Spartan, by the way. So I don't know. I, I, but that's all right. That, I, that's all right. <laughs> Blue is a good you color. Said, I you said rapid fire, so I'm, I'm throwing it out there. I know. No, I've got to shut up. My apologies. <laughs> Your favorite sports team? Uh, I'm going to say the Dallas Mavericks. I'm a big basketball fan, even though they're not playing well. Noggin Earth Piston fans. I'm going to stop there. Favorite cereal? Oh, I got to go Honey Nut Cheerios. I'm old school. Very good. In my top five. What is your ideal weekend? Oh, gosh. Um, well, so I have to give the appropriate answer here. The, uh, the <laughs> ideal weekend was the one we just had with my wife. We went to the Mirabal Spa. In, uh, and, and so when we were there, it was just her and I. We have four kids, by the way. So we range from 6 to 16. So for us, we got away for the whole weekend. We ate wonderfully. Massages, her and I, the whole shebang. So that is a uh, wonderful weekend. Yeah. And uh, we'll just put that on repeat. We'll just put that on repeat like five or six times and then we'll keep it more. So, just, how about that? Okay, then we'll, I'll, I'll give you a second question then. Ideal family weekend, assuming you are, you have the kids. Ideal family weekend, I will say, uh, my kids, I, I know it's, pretty common here to say this. My kids love Disney World. So um, we we love to do their VIP tour where you go, you do all the behind the scenes stuff. You can see everything you want to see in one day. Literally, they take you behind the scenes in a Cadillac Escalade, take you right to everywhere you want to go. No lines. We love to do that in one day and then go to the beach the next day. That sounds amazing. <laughs> see, I can, I can do that. You know, everybody's got me scared of this Disney thing. I have a two-year-old at yeah, home who I, I'm out I was going to ask. I'm out on the lines. I'm out on the lines. And wolf. Yeah, the lines are very much overrated. Um, yes. <laughs> and then we'll get the fast pass. 
Well, we'll have to uh, definitely be in touch in the future. We, we're excited for you to become part of the teaching tax law community and spreading your wealth of knowledge um, with our with our group. And I truly appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for bringing me on. It was a blast. Absolutely, Jeff. And, and thank you again from, from me and the team members too that haven't been on here with us. Um, and everybody who is listening, do not wait any longer than you have to to get your questions together on this. I know we're going to get a ton of them, kind of echoing what Chris said too. Shoot them over to us. Shoot them over. Shoot them over to Jeff and his team. Um, the only way you could really do this wrong, and the only wrong question you can ask is the one that you don't ask. Um, as cliche as that sounds, my father would be proud that I just said that. Yeah, um, good stuff. But definitely, I mean, what you guys, what you guys tell, and and what we do too at the same thing is just planning, 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 plan ahead, plan with purpose and knock it out of the park so absolutely thank you again jeff thank you chris for not harassing this gentleman too bad today um and we will see everybody next week hey everyone john trapolsky here still from the teaching tax flow team again can't get rid of me that easy um huge thanks to jeff for joining us on this episode specifically we couldn't think of a better person to talk about strs then the str law guys or i should say guy in this specific case um the marketing heart in me just sings when i when i hear a a company or i should say a firm name in this case so direct and so niche as str law guys so jeff thank you for joining us chris as always thank you for joining us and behaving yourself on this one but hopefully anybody that listened to this episode got some great information from jeff uh, again it's a very very, very specific topic, right? So if you've ever considered purchasing a short-term rental, maybe there's a few things here that I shouldn't say should turn you away from it, but maybe just, you know, you perk your ears a little bit and consider that even based on location, type of property, where you're marketing this, how you're managing that property, some of the liabilities that you may open yourself up to in certain cases as well. So again, hopefully you got some great info any specific questions, shoot them out over to us. We're happy to make the connection as needed to anybody that may be the best resource to answer that for you if it's not somebody specifically on our team. The Defeating Taxes private Facebook group is probably the best place to send that to, as always mentioned, or shoot it over to hello at teachingtaxflow.com. We always monitor that as well. So any of those questions you have, please shoot them over. We're not going to bite. We may not have the best answer for you regarding your question, um, but we're absolutely going to get correct one for you, or I should say the best one that we can find by way of best resources in our ecosystem. Um, But we look forward to talking to everybody again soon. We figured this was a topic so many people would enjoy because we always hear it discussed at conferences, on podcasts, calls, emails, meetings, etc. We figured everybody would enjoy this that is related to it. So we thank you again, everybody, and we will see you soon.